bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Real Country Radio. We don't play nothing but real country music. Coming up now, we're going to start off the set with... In the morning. Everybody's doing it. Pull you up a chair and listen to this. And welcome back to Sidetracked here on Pulling Radio Network, powered by DHD, and a little bit of a different intro for us. I love the Bakersfield sound. Ah, uh, you know what? Buck Owens, one of my favorite. Dwight Yoakam's good too, but... Dwight Yoakam, the derailers. Oh yeah, but... Red meat. This... Good, good, a lot of good California country acts. One of these days we'll be famous. All we gotta do is act naturally. I don't think the world's ready for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're famous on our own show. It's great. I'm a legend in my own mind. No, I'm not. It's a very, very small space to be a uh, legend in. Yeah, I can't even stand your up in there. Your mind is. Your head's huge, but your mind is very small. Yeah. Anytime there's a guest host and there hasn't been one in a long, long time and probably won't be ever again, you need shims to get these headphones on <laughs> well no we'll have guest hosts on again it's we're gonna have them just we're gonna have to be here now yeah there is that considering all the equipment's at my house and you've got the laptop for it so you know it kind of makes it uh, a little difficult for us to take sabbaticals from the show <laughs> yeah. we took one all summer <clears throat> yeah yeah well We've been running around like crazy and uh, some running still left to do. Uh, hopefully the weather cooperates. I will be out in Richland Center, Wisconsin, joining the Beer Money Pulling Team crew for uh, Hybrid Redneck Rally as they wind up their year out there. Last outdoor poll for me for the year. And then uh, we get rolling into the indoor circuit with the NATPA like we've talked before. Of course, Mason going to kick it off with a two-day pull this year. Picking up the Great Lakes Classics date, day of pulling for us. And uh, thank you to Robert Neathammer, Jared Badoon, Todd Whipple, uh, Mike Zimmer, Dave Feldkamp, all the guys from Michigan Tractor Pullers helping out and uh, picking up that extra day of pulling and uh, keeping uh, enough hooks east of the Mississippi for the NATPA. Yep. 
got a great facility there. They run a tight ship, so it'll be a it'll be a good weekend. Hope uh, pullers are able to get into town in time on Friday and and collect some points toward their uh, championship season there. That'd be great. Then uh, only one pull to recap this past weekend. Of course, yeah. I was not able to make the points championship in uh, Brigden, Ontario for Southwestern Ontario this year. Uh, just was sicker than a dog, came down with something. Well, you guys heard me all sneezing on Wednesday and uh, thought it was just being around dirt and that. By Thursday night, I was about done, and Friday I slept the entire day. Cooney, yeah. first time I've ever had to call off a pole because I was sick. Yeah, there was something going around because Saturday I it was yeah, it was my turn. Everybody's been sick. I know a coworker at work, he's been off the past three days sick, and it's just a bug going around. Of course, season's changing, of course, in the state of Michigan, and uh, that's always good for getting the bug season to get fired off. And not talking Think. about the uh, uh, box elder bugs we're seeing with. Oh, jeez, they're terrible. Michigan cockroaches. Yeah, we need we need a good. It's we surprising. Need a it's surprising we're this deep into October and we've still had had regular days into the well into the seventies and eighties. We haven't had a, a freeze at all yet this fall. Usually by this point we've had one. A good frost by now, yeah. Yeah, and nothing to help kill off anything, but. Uh, well, Sunday we did get to make an adventure out, made it down to Blissfield, Michigan to go play with the Heritage Farmers Tractor Club, and uh, always fun, but Charles, your first time down there, what did you think of that? Yeah, no, I loved it. Uh, laid back group of guys, everybody just relaxing, and, and not that we were, we were turning hooks, we weren't screwing around, but you know, nobody really worried about anything, everybody kind of knew what they had to do and what their job was, and uh, having a good time, kind of... I, I'll call them uh, less restrictive rule book where, you know, kind of anything goes in some of the classes and you get to see some cool stuff and uh, pleasant afternoon, beautiful place to go to a pole, f true flatlander country. You can see all the way to forever and every direction. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like being out in Illinois. It's awesome. I, I, I love that. But I mean, it was, you know, it's my second time down there with them and right off the bat, you were flying and I hopped on the sled yeah. and I've you know, been on that sled before. I know Harold, the guy who runs it, and uh, before you know it, he had to hop off to pull, so I ended up running the whole pullback sled, and took me a minute to get back into my groove running it, but... Not too bad. No, I mean, that's the cool part is you don't even have to be a member. They really don't have to know you. They'll find a job for you if yeah. you want to help. Yeah, no, I just, you know, that first, like you said, first time being there and really the only person I'd ever really had any knowledge of or knew at all was Al Smith. Grab the flags and off I go and <coughs> off and running, you know. What's your take on Al? Al is a riot. He, he's a trip. Oh, he is something else, especially get him down there. He's always got something, and that's the best part of that club is you could joke with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. It, everybody, no, Nobody wound too tight for their own good. And you know what? Big shout out to our buddy uh, Rocket Man, <laughs> Frank the Tank, Mister Frank DeGroff, uh, from right down there in Raga, just down the road, and uh, put us in the seat of his five sixty. From uh, actually came from the Romeo area, bought yeah. it. I think what this past winter. I think he's actually winter, had winter spring. I don't want to say he's had it for a year or so, but yeah, he bought uh, Daryl Martin's old Go Fast five sixty and. 
tractor I grew up watching and to get the chance to put it on the sled myself, that, that was really, really cool. I'm very, very and thankful. Got to work some things out for him that he's been yeah. fighting with it. And, uh, hopefully we got it figured out. We can get it up and running, but, uh, he said we get in the seat every, anytime we want. So I think we're going to be making it. some trips down to heritage. I think the old 460 yeah. is going to have to go too. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. What'd you think of the Oliver 77 with the turbo on it? I think it's mean. That one's mean. You should have seen his 88 before he blew it up. I believe it. Well, then there was another uh, 88 down there with a Cummins in it that ran really well. In fact, well enough that the sled couldn't even load it up. And then Al's uh, 560 with a, what's it? That's a DT 466. 360. It's a 360. Four, excuse me. DT 436. 436. That thing's awesome, too. Oh, yeah. There's some neat iron down there. His big old R. Yeah. That thing's a giant. That was That was cool. I mean, it's. It's a simple club. It's very laid back, but it's fun. And thanks to Chuck George, Al Smith. Chuck George got a uh, Alice. It's a diesel. Mike Bay showed up with his. It's turboed. I mean, yeah, you get to see some kind of cool stuff you wouldn't see anywhere else. But thank you to everybody from Heritage Farmer letting us come down and uh, work with them again. And uh, you know, it was kind of nice going to a poll, and basically nobody knew you or gave a shit who you were. Yeah, no judging, nobody cared. Just come on in, you know. Having a pot, they had a potluck. We took a break about a, you know halfway through and had a potluck lunch. And you know, come on, yeah, grab something to eat. You know, we got tons of food. Get in here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say it's you know it's kind of nice going to a poll and not having to announce, not having any responsibilities. Oh, you know, we we've assumed, done that a couple times this year. But we assumed some responsibilities, but we didn't have to. No, it was just it was fun to we just were, do we it. We were still able to participate. In our own way. and I On mean, our own terms. On our own terms. I mean, yeah. we went and spectated at polls this year, but it was kind of nice where we could still just go be part of the poll, you know, not have to be on the microphone yeah. announcing, but be part of the poll, still help put on a beautiful product. But like you said, do it on your own terms. It's, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was enjoyable. Good way to close out the outdoor season, for, for me anyway. I, I was... I was very happy, very pleased with the day. Probably my only regret was that we had to had to leave so soon. Yeah, we had to leave early, come back for a surprise party, but uh Which was okay. That was fun too. But it was fun, but I but it, I could have yeah, stayed there stayed. longer. Yeah, absolutely. So uh great interviews lined up for today. Uh Stan and Steve Blockrave coming on all the way from what, Ackerley, Texas? Ackerley, Texas. Which in the state of Texas, I don't know what it would be by nothing. According to our map, Charles said it's on the T. But I don't think you have the Dollar Tree U.S. map for teachers that we have in here for <laughs> plotting our polls we've announced at. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. If it's, you do, you'll know exactly where I'm talking about. Yeah, it's somewhere in, in the blue. Yeah, somewhere in the blue state there. So, which is not Pennsylvania or Idaho, according to this map. So, don't worry about that. We're talking the blue, not the light blue that Tennessee and Colorado are. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Good thing I'm not colorblind. No, your uh, wife would have a hard time uh, with this one. The yellows and reds and oranges would be a challenge. Everything just looks gray to me. <laughs> so, uh, with that, we're going to take our br first break here and uh, get Stan and Steve Blagrave on the line. And uh, Charlie Capozo going to be bringing up the rear here tonight. So. With that, we're going to take a break. This is Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. 
Dirty Hooker Diesel is your full-size diesel performance specialist at Harbor Beach. We're Michigan's final authority on anything performance and replacement related. Specializing in diesel performance parts and accessories for Duramax, Cummins, and Powerstroke diesel engines. From custom-built transmissions and engines to CP3 pumps and injectors. Check them out at DirtyHookerDiesel.com. Hi, this is Tony Burkett, owner of Dirty Hooker Diesel. We are a full-service repair facility that can handle any task from stock to modified, big or small. So give us a call, 989-479-0444. Dirty Hooker Diesel, the final authority on everything performance and replacement. And we're back with Sidetracked, powered by DHD, here on Pulling Radio Network. And uh, going a little bit long distance, so to speak, with our call here today is uh, we go down to the great state of Texas. And uh, joining us today, Mr. Stan and Steve Blagrave. How are you guys doing today? Uh, Doing great. Doing good. Thank you. Great to have you guys on. Thanks for talking to us goofballs. You know, we have a hard time getting people willing to actually deal with people from Michigan, you know, especially we get down towards Kentucky and further south, you know, something about our accent. <laughs> Surely you don't hear that. Ah. You know, no, no, nobody ever comments on our accent, you know, when we start saying y'all and stuff like that. Oh, we got plenty of people up here who say that too, don't worry. And, you know, then we got the people down in Detroit who speak a whole different language that nobody comprehends. We're so. not going to talk about that. <laughs> Some of the terminology is definitely different, isn't it? That's probably the most polite way I've ever heard it put in my life. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we're we're only an hour north of Detroit, so we kind of get looped in with that whole crowd, and they don't realize we're just a bunch of rednecks up here who uh, cause all kinds of chaos and pull tractors and do crazy stuff just for the heck of it, so... Yeah, on the rare occasion we do have an event that gets closer to the city, you you do wind up with a, a lot of people. When you tell them what, what's going to be happening and what you're doing, they they do make a face uh, to start with. <laughs> so yeah, that's one thing I love about all of our friends that we've made all over the United States. They're pretty. We got a lot in common everywhere we go. Seems like so. Absolutely, we all like pulling and can't hand stand having money in our wallets. I mean. <laughs> No yeah, different than being married. We hate money and love pulling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's the truth. So, Charles, you want you want to lead it off here today? I know you said you had a big list of stuff because oh, you didn't get to talk to him in Bowling Green. I don't so. know if I have a big list, but um, I guess we'll, we'll start with the 2017 season for you guys. Um, probably Diesel Super was the the most con- compelling points race that uh, in any group across the country and. I think I'm safe in saying that no one had the end to it that they would have liked. Uh, they would, would have rather settled it on the track with Bone Twister being in that last session. But uh, talk about uh, how your summer went. We, we was really excited about summer. You know, we started off awful slow, you know, and then kind of come on come on late, you know. And uh, uh, I, I really hated to see Travis, you know, drop out there and sandwich, you know. It was that was kind of a tough deal there for him, you know. We all hated to see that happen there. Uh, but we was, we was real happy the way it turned out. You know, obviously we'd, we'd like to have won, you know. But, you know, making it the race it was, it was, it was pretty exciting, you know. Uh, uh, running with Jody and Colin and them, you know, they're, they're a tough competitor, you know. And to be able to get close, you know, and make it a good good race, you know. Well, it, it, we, it, I thought it turned out good, so. 
No, absolutely. You know, one thing I got to see in, first off, Napoleon, Ohio, first poll, we got to actually see diesel supers because they just don't exist up here, but actually no. get to see the Grand National Tour of them. And then again in Bowling Green is what a tight-knit class you guys are. You guys, I you know, saw Travis have problems after the first session in Bowling Green this year, and everybody's over there helping him wrench, get the you know, get his backup motor in the tractor. You know, something I haven't seen out of a lot of the classes out there is what a tight-knit crew you guys are in the diesel super class. Uh, that, that's absolutely no doubt. And uh, I think Esden Lane, you know, he, he has always been that way also. And, and I think it's just kind of trickled down to everybody that's, that's come in the class and been in the class. You, you don't want to beat someone because of a part they were missing or – you know, something that they needed before they got on the track. You know, once you get on the track, well, you're, you're, it's all out competition. But before you get on the track, I, I think we all feel, of course, we all come from a farm background or a rural background, and that's just people help each other, and that's kind of the way you've been brought up, and, and that carries over to the track. And, uh, once we get out on the track, we want to beat them. But before that, I, it's just not not the satisfaction if you know that they could have been there, but they, you know, one little part that they needed or something you could have helped them with kept them from being there. Has it always been that way within Diesel Superstock, or has that evolved because really the numbers have gotten down to a point where really you guys have to stick together and keep each other going to get to keep the numbers that you do have? No, I don't think so. You know we. We started running, you know, uh, a limited Grand National circuit, you know, back in the 80s and stuff even. And even back then, you know, when the numbers was up, well, you know, you saw that same kind of same kind of camaraderie between everybody, you know, everybody helping everybody else. So I, I don't, I think it's been there all along. That's, yeah, and I would, I didn't expect a really any different answer as far as that goes. <laughs> it seems that way. Um, really not just super stock, but probably a lot of the classes up at that level much more so than, than what you see in, in local and state level. Right. I, I think so. Uh, I think, well, uh, I believe there was some poll that Ashley Corzine and Craig just split up, and, and I just noticed on her Facebook page she was talking about how many people helped her while she was at a poll without him being there. And uh, most all the people she had on the list was competitors. So, yeah, I think it goes across most classes. Yeah, that was I think uh, Brandenburg, Kentucky. She was there yeah. with the trucks, and and uh, Craig was up at Fort Recovery with the Light Unlimited. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk a little history. Of course, you guys got the, you know, diesel super stock, and of course now the super mod two wheel drive. You guys have been campaigning for a while, but where did you guys get your start in the pulling world? I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe you guys did start off right with the big glass, but. Uh, most people had a couple stepping stones along the way. What what got you guys sp- started in this insanity? Well, of course, I, my dad started in 1972. There was a local pool here about 60 miles from the house. And, of course, back then you just took the three-point hitch off and, you know, maybe the, the basically took the plow off and took it to the field or to the track. And, uh, and we, we, of course, Stan was like, 10 years old and I was six and we've been hooked ever since. And then Thurwood, uh, my dad, he uh, built the 1206 
the following year that we campaigned on the on the circuit that whole year. And uh, then after that, I think Stan was about 12 years old and started driving. And when you start driving a tractor at 12 years old on a pulling track, you're pretty much hooked after that. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what got us started down here. And then I guess in the, the mid to late 80s, well, uh, the pulling kind of started dying down in Texas. And we started, we had a Region 5 circuit on NTPA that included Oklahoma, Nebraska, uh, Iowa, Kansas, maybe another state or two. And we started venturing out into those region pools. And uh, we qualified for the Indy Super Bowl. And then uh, when we went out to the Indy, I think it was in 1985, we went out to the Indy Super Bowl. And, of course, we were wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. And after going out there and actually competing with John Klug and Dickie Sullivan and some of those guys, well, uh, I guess the rest is history there. <laughs> Nothing else quite measured up after that. No, no. Something that uh, came up at the tail end of last season with the, your class particularly was the idea of a restrictor plate or a 4.1 Atmo charger rule, and there was quite an uproar over it, and the decision was made to table that discussion for a year. And here we are a year later and really don't hear anything. How did that... Uh, come about and, and what's the what's the status of it now is it a dead deal uh we haven't heard anything you know up about it lately either you know so i i really don't think there, as far as i know there hadn't been any talk about any restrictions for the following year my, my feelings on that is we've got restricted classes and uh several of them in the diesel class i know that it's hard to spend as much money as you have to spend in our class to do what we do. But uh, on the other hand, I hate to restrict it. You just made my week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you know, we, we don't, isn't that right? Don't we already have enough classes that have restrictions on them? I, that, too, too many, if you ask me. That's but. been a big topic of discussion, especially this uh, – Hot farm class that they added on is, you know, everybody's going, you know, they've already got pro farm. Now they're adding a hot farm class. You know, we got super farm. We got light pro. We got limited pro. You know, where do you call it? Quits. Uh, you know, they got light supers. You know, where where do you call it? Quits on these restricted classes when the sport was really drawn on built around, build it as big as you can and run what you brung. Right. And, and, you know, you'd like for those classes to be a stepping stone to move up to some of the bigger classes, but I understand the maintenance program that we have to be on in the super stock diesel class is, is definitely a little tougher than what uh, Light Pro, I mean, those Pro Stock guys are running them hard, but, you know, some of the other classes, if, you know, you, it's hard to be a full-time tractor player and work all week and, uh, you know, they're, they're, I understand those problems with our class, but on the other hand, you know, some of those other classes were made to be stepping stones to move up to the higher horsepower classes. That's exactly something. Is a lot, of, you know, they were bent to be stepping stone classes, and a lot of people, you know, their feelings are, well, yeah, they were. That's what they're designed for. But you know, people get into the class, and that's where they camp out. They never make the step up. 
They never make this. Right. They never make the step up, and I think the harder that they try to clamp those particular classes down, the farther and deeper guys go into the margins, looking for that five or ten horsepower to a point where the idea of taking that vehicle and going to that next level just isn't an option because now you have so specialized the combination you can't. Right. Right. And and I understand there's uh, limitations in in the purse that we get and, and you know, economically it doesn't make sense, but uh I I I couldn't see us trying to restrict the horsepower we found, you know, and uh that's a whole nother discussion there I guess. I, I come at this from you know, in my childhood really as a fan being sucked in by the, by a, a certain amount of technological enthusiasm, the, the sheer awe of what is able to be done. And I guess I'd like to hear maybe a little bit go the other way uh, rather than restrict the class. What would it take in your mind, and, and sure this is probably a pie-in-the-sky unlimited budget kind of a thing, but what would it take in your mind for somebody to go diesel into the open super class and and try and do a you know overhead cam and all the even i know it's not allowed now but maybe something with common rail try and take a smoker to the alcohol guys well i don't i, I don't know you know that, that that'd be a that'd be a i, I don't know you, you know that'd be a good question you know i don't know where where it would lead to <laughs> Well, and, and I think one thing that's tough now is uh, you really need unlimited dyno time on top of your research on your different combinations. And uh, like I said earlier, it's hard to make enough money to be full-time at tractor pulling. So uh, I guess it's just the nature of the sport. Yeah, no, that's there's, there's truth in what you say. It, there is, it's going to... If it ever was to happen, it would have to take somebody with with basically an unlimited budget and the patience to stay with it and try. And there's maybe some who would make the argument that, that would be a death knell for the class because it would push the leading edge so far out beyond what's there. I don't I don't know, but I guess yeah, there's, I there's a big piece of me that wants to see it though, see what it would look like. I think there's probably potential there, you know, like say that research and development on it, you know, it'd be, you know, take a few years to get there too, you know, and I, I don't, we're, we're not young enough to start that now, I don't think either. <laughs> <laughs> how, have they, how has that evolution kind of gone for you guys? If I'm not mistaken, you guys are into the, the, the big block end of things uh, with Diesel Super. Kind of when did that there seems to have been like a sea change as far as that goes the last couple of seasons. Is that just guys doing their homework, or is that really going to be the future to have the big cubic inch combo versus what we have seen since forever with like a 466 four charger? Well, for us personally, we've been <coughs> since uh, the late 90s, and we've always stayed with the top 40 combination. Uh, you know, like uh, Don Raymond, he runs a bigger cubic inch motor and uh, has a little different turbo combination there. Uh, I, you know, I think our biggest change that we've seen in the last 
three years probably is just uh, in our cylinder heads and turbos and fuel, you know, just getting the air in and then, and then more importantly, getting the air out and make the, make the, the, the combination or the flow work where you're, you're not creating back pressure, but you're actually creating boost. And uh, I think that's where we've seen the biggest rise in horsepower is just in, in some of those turbo combinations and cylinder head and, and, and water and fuel and, you know, fuel and air. It's kind of the same old thing. Yeah, I, you can you can hear it. There, there are certain tractors out there, uh, yours being one of them, especially from the front. You can just it's it's coming off the line. Once things get moving, it really does sound like it's trying to suck all the atmosphere on the fairgrounds into that grill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's uh, and me and Stan's talked before. That's one reason we like to keep pulling, just see what kind of stuff we can tear up. It's amazing. What Get a gr- great collection for the shelf, huh? Yeah, you know, it's it's, uh, it's unbelievable what horsepower will do to parts. You know, it's things that you thought were bulletproof, you can just tear up. It's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Biggest thing it tears up is your wallet every time you, that crunching <laughs> sound happens. <laughs> it can definitely make you cringe. <laughs> Our wives must really love us, I guess. Keep <laughs> 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 doing it. They quit questioning the UPS boxes that are showing up. <laughs> yeah, really. And you know, in Texas, most everything's next day air, so we have that much extra shipping on everything too. <laughs> oh boy, that actually leads me into a question. I mean, sourcing parts and find, you know, I guess growing up here in the Motor City area. And, you know, being in the Midwest, right, where we are, parts are very easily accessible for us, you know. We're, we're spoiled. If you can't we get it, we can find spoiled. a shop that can make it. Yeah, I mean, within a 60-mile radius of where we're sitting right now, you can build everything from a complete pulling tractor to a NHRA top fueler. There's shops around that do it, mm-hmm. you know. What cha- What type of a challenge is it for you guys, you know, being down in Texas, and I I guess lack of familiarity, I have never been down to Texas yet, to know the shops and that that you guys have, I mean, are you sourcing a lot of parts and having to ship them that far, or you have, have some guys locally that are able to help uh, get the pieces you need to keep the tractor running? If we, if we can't do it in our shop, you know, we have to have it shipped in, you know, because most of it. I'd say nine and ten of the people out here don't even know what we do, and if they did know, do know what we do, they don't know what it is. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are able to produce a lot of your own uh, pieces for the tractor, right? Yeah, we still, you know, we still have the people with you know Columbus Diesel, you know Hypermax, you know uh, uh, Robbie Lemke, you know them guys there, you know that, that we all go to for parts, you know. But uh, we we still have to, you know, there's some stuff we have to build inside you know turbo plumbing uh you know brackets and different things that way you know we have we have to be able to do that ourselves do you see a, a how much of the the chassis work are you guys doing yourselves or are you getting doing rolling chassis from somebody our the, the chassis, that chassis our chassis is an all angler frame 
It is. Okay. I, I thought it might be, but I wanted to ask him. With the way things are going, um, I think it's probably less of a – well, I'd get you. I'd like to get your opinion on this. I think it's maybe less of a problem in a class such as yours, but with the way things are going with the, the evolution of tire design, are you guys seeing a challenge coming to where you just cannot get enough nose weight on the tractor or, or get things light enough to have enough nose weight to be able to actually control the machine yet? Well, and, and we, actually, we struggled we struggled with that the last couple of years ourselves anyway uh we we actually took the track we had a four-speed transmission in when we had this frame built and we took that transmission out and and put just a reverser in you know because we found that 80 percent of the time 80 to 90 percent of the time we were running the same gear and so we did that and we we were about we were happy with that 80 to 90 percent of the time you know and so, uh, but this past year, <coughs> transmission back in, uh, a little bit lighter weight transmission that uh, Profile came up with, and and that that helped us out. But and and we when we did move about 50 pounds to from the you know the rear to the front, but uh, we are still struggling with front end weight. And uh, in our particular class, it seems like the, the old 10 fly puller 2000 still seem to work the best. And, you know, those are really hard to find, a good set of those. But uh, uh, I think later in the season, our tires started working good, and, and, and front-end weight is still a problem for us. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered how long it was going to be before the newer Pro Polar design came online and if it was going to be a viable option. And, and really, I'm still extremely curious about the Mitas tire. You know, it was a coming thing, it's coming, it's coming, and now I don't even know if they're – doing it it doesn't sound like not on not on this side of the pond anyway seems like the 24.5 in the pro puller seems to be working good but uh, you don't really see that in a 30.5 yet no no and i don't know if that's something on their end or if it's an offering i know they were trying to do something i think a little bit lighter as an alternative for you know like light light super and light limited super where carcass weight does does matter a bit more than than in the heavier classes right right yeah but it did seem like in uh some of the hot farm super farm classes the 24.5 pro pullers were had some success this last year yeah we we there's a handful of teams up here that have had them in in super farm and we're just amazed at the difference that they did make right then again, that contingency plan that well, Pro Pullers offers is pretty nice, too. Contingency money helps. Right. And, you know, one one thing that we deal with being in Texas, too, speaking of the distance that we have, uh, we really can't try anything out on the tractor on any tracks around here, even when they do have a pull around here. Really, the dirt just doesn't compare to Ohio, Indiana, or Ohio, Michigan tracks. I'll put it that way. And uh, it's hard to, to try a different set of tires and, and figure out anything unless you're already into the season and pulling for points. Yeah, that's got to that's got to serve as a probably a significant disadvantage, and maybe you know that's testament to to your guys' experience and skill with setups. Yeah, <laughs> I, re- I remember when we first went to Michigan uh, back in about what Stan was that in the late '80s, probably long time ago. <laughs> and, and, I mean, they took us to school pretty quick up there. 
I, I miss some days. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Tires was... and gear ratios and everything. We had to come home and change. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun time back then. Uh, I don't know what it is. The, the state level, anyway, super stocks and modifieds here are, they aren't a thing. It's It's gone. Yeah. We're down to two super stocks and it's trophy buck of uh Feld Camps and uh then of course uh Dibley's uh Pumpkin God Mad. That's that's, that's it. left in, yeah. in Michigan, which yeah, is Yeah, those were the days when it was uh Plakowski and Jerry Van Dorpy and uh of course, you know, some of the uh, Esden and the guys from Minnesota would come over and uh yeah, it was 20, 25 in a class all the time. Yeah, we'd get a state. You'd have a state level hook that would have you know twelve supers and three or four pro stocks in it just for good measure. And it was a fun time. That, but that hasn't been that way since the the nineties, really. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Is there a? You know, you guys are are right at the pinnacle, but certainly you know what's going on and and have a very tight finger on the pulse. What is, is there a, a solution to that at the state level? Is there something that could be done to, to breathe life there? As far as in the super stock diesel class to get more, more interest in that? Yeah, well, it, whether it be diesel super or, or some form of combination, but something to revive a multi-charger class at that kind of a level. Um, there, certain places, you know, Ohio State is still pretty healthy. New York State is very healthy. But a lot of places, like here in Michigan, it's just dead. It don't seem like there's any young pullers coming up, you know, doing that at all. And I don't, I don't know what, what would, you know, encourage them to, to get the interest there to do that either. It's that is true. That's a conversation we have a lot around here, and I think for the youth in this area. Um, if you're interested in pulling it all, it seems diesel trucks are, are the thing to do. And I can, I can understand that, but also here, you know, you've got so much competition for your time. Just glad you can understand it. Cause maybe you can explain it to me and I'm a youth <laughs> just going boating or having a cabin up North on Lake. There's just a lot of other stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I guess back when we were in high school, we, we always, worked on our our you know friday afternoon or, or saturday afternoon you'd be working on your well we i had a pickup stan and i both had pickups but sometimes we'd change carburetors before we went to town on saturday night you know because <laughs> you had to be in top form on saturday night when you went to town there you go you never knew who you had to impress right <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> yeah you always wanted to have it running good and now i well i guess you can put the different chips in and program it different but as far as hands-on changing something under the hood, there's you don't really do that anymore. Maybe I mean maybe that's part of it. Yeah, I think you bring up a valid point. There's you get into the trucks side of pulling; it's fairly easy. Diesel trucks, yeah. you know, you really for the most part, if you want a daily driver, you can go play with. You throw a tune at it, or have a diesel shop throw a tune at it. But you want to go tractor pulling; it's still a very hands-on thing where you have to be wrenching on that to get the power out of it, you know. Lord knows I've spent plenty of time in just the farm stock tractor. Yeah. That one that needs to burn anyways, but uh <laughs> Well I think Van Hazley touched on that a little bit yeah. when we talked to him at Bowling Green. And I think diesel trucks are still in that phase where 
collectively as a sport is still early enough for them where it's just about more power, more power, more power, except in the super stock diesel truck class where they have all the power they need. Now they are having to go hands-on with the wrenches and find a way to hook it up and get it into the track. Right. Right. And you guys, and, and you guys have been around the tractor side long enough. Was it was it like that with the tractors coming up through through the eighties and nineties? And, and and there's been maybe a change. Yeah, we, we yeah, me and Steve learned pretty early on. You know what screw to turn. You know to get more fuel out of a pump. You know. <laughs> so I remember, it's uh, a flat screwdriver and a ten millimeter wrench, or depending <laughs> on seven sixteenths, depending on the era of your pump. That's what I've been told. I I don't know for certain, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, and that that's what we were talking about earlier when we were pulling on these tracks, you know, down here in Texas and and maybe Kansas and Missouri versus when you go out, you know, into Michigan and Ohio, you know, you you definitely had to change your combination up a little bit. Did that? And, certainly... and I can remember at Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, with the two charger Hypermax set up and I think about 85 or six, well, they had a grand national there and, and, uh, maybe it was a reach. I can't remember, but Brett Berg and Ed and all them guys were there and, and we won that class with the two charger tractor and boy, we were pounding our chest, but in reality, they just had too much horsepower to hook up to the track and we were able to match up to the track and the sled. And that's the reason we won, you know? So, uh, we go out there and get them on some of their tracks. Well, we didn't compete with them like that. So uh, there's definitely a lot of a lot of experience there on learning that. I guess that brings up a topic right there. With you know, you guys are finding issues right now getting enough nose weight. Is there a chance, possibly, that you know you're seeing diesel super stocks with the numbers they're at? possibly being at that max horsepower number to, that they can effectively get it to the ground, you know, and actually utilize all that? Or do you think there's still room for more growth on the horsepower side? I feel like there's still more room for more growth. You know, several years ago we thought, man, it, you can't get no more horsepower than what we've got, you know, and every year, you know, so, you know, it increases some more, you know, somebody finds some more, so then, you know, you step up too, you know, so. <laughs> you know, you just have to, you'd have to change, you know, probably your ratio combinations or something that way to get it to stick, you know, maybe, I don't know, but uh, I think you'll see some more increases in horsepower probably. I know you gentlemen have a, have a time constraint we're up against this evening, so please let us know too if we're getting up against that. Oh, sure. Sure. You know, I was going to add that that's kind of interesting in the two-wheel drive class, and I think that's what keeps it competitive uh, and, and the numbers up in it, too, is because uh, you're not really able to put all of your horsepower to the ground just because of the tire size. And even with the draw bar, it's it's hard to – it's pretty easy to blow the tires off on that two-wheel drive. So that that's kind of a whole different deal on – on horsepower versus what you can get to the track in that class. I guess that leads me in what I was going to bring up is get talking about the two-wheel drive. What type of a learning curve was that for you guys to go from the class that runs the biggest tire in the sport of pulling down to a very small diameter tire, but a complete, you know, 
little different chassis setup, but different power plant, completely different thing. I mean, were you able to translate your knowledge from the super stock over to anything or was it just a completely new learning curve for you guys? Uh, it was, it was definitely a new learning curve. And, and you know, the reason we, the, the two wheel drive was a good combination for us is because the organization that runs here in Texas, they run a two wheel drive class with the exact same rules that, that PPL outlaw and NTPA run. And, you know, the, the other option for us with, with our kids coming up and getting old enough to drive something would have been a super farm. And those rules are so different from state to state and organization. Well, uh, the two-wheel drive was just a good fit for us because we could haul it with us and pull it just about anywhere the tractor was pulling. But uh, it did definitely take a couple of years to figure out the driving style. And, and I still haven't learned how to read a track. When I walk out on a track, I'm still reading a track for a big tire. So I still hadn't figured that out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll ever know how to do that. I'm I'm good at picking a line for for anything that's on big tires, but <laughs> small. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so, usually if it's good for a big tire, it's bad for the little tire. So I'll just huh. do do the opposite. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty, I mean, pretty much. But I mean, you bring up a really valid point there, and something that's been discussed before is you know the super modified two wheel drive class, a very extremely popular class, especially as of late C numbers still growing. And the biggest thing is the commonality of rules across the organizations. Is that something, you know, maybe some of these other classes need to look at, you know, cross the board. I know it's always talked about at a state level, you know, commonizing rules, but something, you know, maybe super farm you know you see i'm using that as a class just because well it's something we're very familiar with being here in michigan but you know vastly different setups between ntpa super farm ppl super farm then outlaw who is really castrated back on horsepower as compared to the eastern pulling organizations is that something you think would help be effective and maybe get more numbers these polls and maybe entice people to uh get more involved in the sport Well, you know, as far as like the pro stock class in Outlaw and NTPA, I know, uh, you know, a lot of those guys want to run at at, uh, at Louisville, you know, and they have to change their combination up if they get invited to Louisville to run there at the farm show. And, and that's a problem. But I also see the, the Outlaw point of view there and they can keep the class a little more affordable and, and you know, keep it where they've got what they feel is a good number of contestants there. I can kind of see both sides of that argument in the super farm class. I know our organization in Texas, you know, a lot of these guys, they're kind of split. Some of them want to to get their rules more consistent with the organizations up north so they can run here and go up there and run. Then there's some other pullers in the class that would rather see it stay the way it is because of the, the monetary uh, issue that you get into when you try to step up a little bit. So I, I can see both sides of that argument. Uh, I don't know the solution. No, that's certainly a, certainly a fair way to put it. Um, I think I think what's helped, you know, also classes like 
like the two-wheel drives in particular is just not only the standardized rules, but also substantially the rules have been the same since 1985, 87, something like that. Right, right. Yeah, it, it's it, and that's why I say that's what was really worked out good for the two-wheel drive with us was it. It just makes a good trailer mate for the tractor most of the time, really. <laughs> we we don't we don't always carry the right amount of parts for it though. <laughs> yeah, I've talked to the kids about being easier the on their toys. Yeah, sometimes the tractor it gets uh, it gets the uh, most space in the trailer for spare parts. <laughs> well, I think too that you know maybe a, maybe a piece of that also is just the custom nature of of the tractor versus the truck where you know not that not that supercharged hemi parts are common but you can get a lot of that fairly easily right. <clears throat> well gentlemen i think we're to that point where uh, we ask every one of our guests who uh, appears on our program about uh, their heroes and legends so to speak the people that influence them the most uh, in the sport and 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 shaped how they got to where they are uh for you two who might those be uh i, I guess people we kind of grew up pulling with you know the john kluge dickie sullivan danny deans uh uh you know them guys there is kind of the ones we grew up looking up to you know back in the back in the early 80s uh, so i guess that was kind of ones we followed well i, I remember i I can't remember the year. I think it was 1974, five or six, and uh, we flew to Indianapolis and went to the Indy Super Bowl. And Dave Stangle ran off the track with solid jump, and that memory is just like it happened yesterday. And uh, you know, we—I I don't know how old me and Stan were, but we were just kids, and and I think we both remember that trip, you know, just like it was yesterday, and. Uh, you know, Dickie was Dickie Sullivan's there, like Stan said, and Danny Dean, John Klug, and uh, you know those, those guys were just pioneers in the sport, and, and uh, it was exciting to watch it back then. You know, it's funny you bring up Dave Stangle. Is uh, you know we've got a bunch of hero cards around here uh, from you know different pullers that you know we've picked up, and you know of course we got Sid Broughton on here because Sid. You know, one of the few Grand National Super, only Grand National Superstock from Michigan, you know. We got the Young Blood two-wheel drive team, you know, sponsored Pulling Radio Network. But we got some older ones up here. And, of course, one of them, Arnie Kwiatkowski with the Wild Thing. But right above that is a picture from Farm Fest 1978 of Dave Stangle piloting uh, solid junk down yeah. the track. So I think that one definitely yeah. rings through to a lot of people. Yeah, Boom Boom watches we us do everything board, we do. Board and side shields, you know, he mimicked the, the Hypermax side shield with that corrugated tin that he put around it. <laughs> yeah. So what's next for uh, the Red Horse team? Is there, uh, are you guys taking the winter off, or are you going to be involved in some winter pulling? Well, we, we've, sent, we've, we've got the invitation sent back in for Louisville and Cloverdale both, so I guess, I guess we're kind of committed there right now. Sounds good. Sounds good. I look forward. To, I don't know if I'm going to make Cloverdale, but we should be able to get down to Louisville and see you guys. Well, we don't have a choice. It's the 50th. You yeah, got to go down to Louisville. Louisville's a must. Yeah, <laughs> it pretty much is. I just, I just hope we have the weather as good as Cloverdale as we did last year. The 60s would be pretty good, too. 
You know, that's the funny part is I do a lot of indoor antique pulls over the year, and there was only one pull this year that I did indoors or went to indoors that was cold, and that was Gordyville the first weekend of Ooh, January, yeah. and that was 15 below, which for Michigan, that's par for the course for most, you know, really still, didn't bug me, but it was cold. But, uh, you know, went to Waterloo, Iowa with 70 in the middle of February. You know, it was beautiful. It was great. I loved it. You know, can't wait for another repeat winter like that, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Cloverdale and Louisville was both nice. We didn't run in any ice on the way up or back. A lot less ether to get the tractor started, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, yeah. You sure? You sound like you're getting ready to say nope. something. Okay. Go for it. Well, Stan, Steve, thanks for coming on with us. We really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we get to talk to you guys soon, and uh, we'll see you down in Louisville. So thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, thank you. All right. You guys have a great night. Good night, gentlemen. You too. Thank you. Bye. Very cool. Very, very cool. So Glad to have those boys join us. Yeah, I can't believe my... uh, my uh, metro piece of junk phone actually made it all the way down to Texas to make calls. Yeah. But Nobody cut the cord on the uh, soup can strings going out to thank God rural yeah. Ackerley, Texas. And I'm glad you remembered. I knew it was in Texas, but I mean, no hailstorms have flattened the telephone poles into the cotton fields. You know, I'm looking at our map and it doesn't have Ackerley on there. No, but from what I remember, it's somewhere just to the uh, upper. Just just above and left of the T in Texas on that map. Holy cow. Yeah, they're way out there. You can't get there from here. No, you cannot. Holy cow. So with that, we're going to take a break. This is Sidetracked on Pulling Radio Network. You make your living going up and down the road, and time is money. Would you like to save from 5 to 25% on fuel, up to 25% more power with better bottom-end acceleration? You need to get with DieselFreak.com and their truck tuning services. Works for Cummins, Caterpillar, Detroit Diesel, and more. If you want to kick it up another notch, you can get their off-highway tuning for high horsepower. It'll unlock the RPM limiters, twin turbo setups, VGT turbo replacement, EGR valve delete, DPF delete, urea delete, and more, and it all comes with a 30-day warranty. Now, not only that, they've also moved into the agriculture realm. They'll bring their dyno on site to you. Get a baseline on your tractor, write a custom tune for it, load it up, and show you the difference. Also, with a 30-day warranty, save fuel, increase power with performance tuning from DieselFreak.com. For Case IH, Challenger, Claus, Fent, John Deere, Massey, Ferguson, New Holland, Valtra, and more, DieselFreak.com. They can be reached at 989-748-4145, 989-748-4145. Ask for Wade and tell them the bullet radio network sent you welcome back to sidetracked here on the pulling radio network we're back in the dhd studios and now joining us on the other end of our lines we're going to stick with diesel tractors we're going to go to the green side now our old buddy charlie Capozo is checking in how are you tonight good evening how are you guys doing not too bad well we're on the boss man being hard at work today you know i mean it wasn't too bad <laughs> yeah i heard he's real jerk <laughs> Well, depends on which one, you know, when you get so many bosses, it's hard to keep up with that. <laughs> oh, leadership by committee, my favorite. <laughs> hey, 
I'll take any leadership at this point. Players <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> can't be choosers, right? Yeah, we, we can tell that just by the employees you have right now. I mean, you brought Charles on for part of the summer, and I'm still working there, so you must be desperate for help. <laughs> yeah, you know, any port in a storm, right? Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. I love you, too. <laughs> At least he hasn't said I'm better on the radio than holding a shovel up, so that's that's been a good point so far in my career. <laughs> Or the semi trucks you claim that's not know how to drive. I don't know how to drive truck. I, I, Charlie, you've never seen me drive a truck around there, have you? <laughs> yeah, a couple times. Yeah, we're working on that, right? <laughs> no, because then I'll get a text message. <laughs> <laughs> Personal insight joke, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody's going, huh? And that's Radio fine. for one. I'm not worried about it. It's my show and Charles' show and. We can do whatever we want on it. That's so, right. <laughs> so I know it was a rough season for you guys, not in breakage or anything, but of course swamped with the excavating company and uh, just not able to make the tour. But got to be happy with the results you guys saw out on the limited season you did have this year. Yeah, yeah, I think we're getting closer all the time, I guess. We'll see how far everything advances this year and see how far away we are. But <laughs> it's... Uh... It was a fun season. It was a fast season, and wasn't we weren't as much as we'd like to be. But I guess everybody tells me work comes first, so I guess that's uh, that's what I got to believe at this point. Is that what you tell yourself in the mirror every morning? Yeah, that's what I keep saying. Everybody <laughs> says this is better than the alternative, so yeah, I guess it is. We've all been in that situation uh, just a few short years ago, but I mean, tractors come a long way in the off season. I mean. Without getting into too nitty gritty, I mean, what were the biggest changes you guys were able to make this year to find that well, valuable extra horsepower? Well, there was well, there was turbo issues to start with. We uh, we took it down to you know Ryan Salen Beans down in Maybe, and um, we uh, we found that the turbo was uh, shortly going to be in pieces. So that was the first thing that we corrected, and um, and we kind of worked at things and kind of figured out that. Yeah, the head was too big and the manifolds were too big for what we were trying to do. So we got all that stuff swapped out and um, got all that strained down. Everything seemed to come together pretty decent on it. So it was, uh, I guess it was a lot, but it wasn't a lot at the same time kind of thing. Yeah, that's something that so many people who really the uninitiated think it bigger, better, bigger, better, bigger, better. But that's not really always the case. And you guys, you know, discovered that, that, and not, not that you were heading in that direction, but you had a combination where the the volume was was too much and really it led to lower velocities through through the system and it just wasn't working for you. Yeah, yeah, you know, that stuff would be fine on a uh, a bigger turbo class, which has been proven to really be, uh, really be strong on the uh, pro stocks and limited pro stocks and those classes, but for our application just didn't... Uh, didn't work out so so if anybody's looking we do have a homemade manifold uh head and uh piping kit for a uh small block john deere for a 4.1 class for sale if you're looking for them oh yeah it's really nice stuff it's you know they're a work of art actually but 
The stuff is actually on on the Sidetrack Facebook page, and I'll dig that back up and repost that here this week for you. It'll be pull the, on pull off too. I've are been, the pistons I've still for giving, sale too, or are those yep, gone? The jeans machine, uh, pist- machine shop uh, pistons are still there. I I know somebody was told to get putting them up online today, but well, when he doesn't get signal in the shop, it's kind of hard to sit and post stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about that today, right? <laughs> yep, that's why I figure we'll get a free plug-in for you. I mean, all four of our listeners, you know, <laughs> maybe somebody has it, you know. <laughs> somebody might need it, yeah. <laughs> well, everything's there. We got the pistons and the head and the manifolds and all that stuff's there, all the piping. So, yeah, if anybody needs it, it's definitely there and ready to be shipped. You guys also made a change um, in terms of the shoes on the tractor. Uh, went to the the new Pro Polar tire. Talk about those and uh, what you how it felt, and certainly the performance was there. But uh, what else did you have to change to accommodate that? Well, I guess that was another thing about the year was kind of a bit of a learning process. It's bad enough you do all that with the motor, and then you completely change tires, and then it really throws everything into a tizzy. But um, yeah, we were kind of learning as far as the way weight and the setup goes on the tires and force air pressure and all that stuff it was uh, they're just you know kind of getting going with them so limited information on getting started but we uh we added quite a bit of weight to the front with those tires and you know by the end of the year i think we were getting it closer and closer but yeah there was definitely an adjustment period on that as well satisfied with how the tires work and um did you guys participate in the contingency that was being offered there? Oh, no, we never got involved with the contingency. But, yeah, the, the tires seemed to perform really well. We were happy with them. seems like most guys that are used them are happy with them. So we figured we'd try something different. Everybody else had the Firestones. So we figured we'd give this a try and see how they worked out. I mean, for the most part, I think they were competitive with the Firestones. I don't know that they were necessarily better or worse. I think they were pretty much on par gotcha is you guys probably would know that as well as i did i mean most of the time you know well i guess it depended on the night and who you were standing next to (laughs) wow well another inside joke that will not be discussed off you know other than off the airways but no, I mean, you guys had, a, like I said, didn't get out much, but I mean, very competitive when you did. Uh, hit a few Grand National hooks and had some good passes with the tractor. I mean, you guys looking at changes for the off season or? Oh, yeah, there's always changes. I'm not sure what they are yet, but I guess we'll find out. Tractor going to make a trip down to uh, the deck, fa- second, deck family second home. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll get down there this winter. Just not sure when yet, but yeah, we got time to start thinking about that stuff too. So pretty soon we'll see. Uh, I want to get the application sent in for Louisville, and I, I'm sure we're not going to make it there, but we'll try and see what happens, and it'll kind of set a timeline for where we're going to be going and, and when. Bit of hurry, aren't those due? Like they're due Sunday. Sunday, yeah. They say that's coming up. Yeah, yeah that's what my dad keeps telling me. So. <laughs> <laughs> That part he of my... makes no effort to help me get it done, but it definitely tells me about the timeline. So, is that something I have on my worksheet for tomorrow? Is uh, help fill Louisville application? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> it's sitting on my desk about halfway done. So, <laughs> there you go. You're yeah, almost there. Goes. Looking at any yeah. other indoor polls for this year? I mean, a lot more on the table now as far as places to go. 
with the bigger iron, of course, you know, Harrisburg's always one with the Keystone, Gordyville, of course. Um, we, may, we may try and do Gordyville. That was one we were talking about maybe this winter, see how things go. Yeah, that was definitely one we were thinking about. As long as you can keep your dad off of uh, Illinois State Road 136. Yeah, right, exactly, right? <laughs> there must be another inside joke there that I don't know. Oh, you haven't heard about him driving from uh, Gordyville all the way into Rantoul to get something to eat? No. Oh, yeah. Mm. Heard that story, Charles? Come on. You have heard that story. <laughs> Maybe I have. I don't know. <laughs> on the Gator? <laughs> Drove it oh, on the Gator. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten. Got told to go back? <laughs> yeah. I'm getting old. I can't remember shit anymore. How many thing? people have actually gotten a ticket in Illinois on the Gator? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the more mild stories that comes out during our shop toxic. We won't discuss over the air, but oh, yeah. the antics of Tony Capozo are always a wonderful discussion around the shop. <laughs> Guys get old, they don't take them too seriously, so it's that <laughs> is what it is. He also got escorted back. To, I think it was Mount Sterling on the four wheeler trying to get ether in town. So yeah. <laughs> so we're establishing a pattern that uh, means that the stories are true. That and he just really likes getting in trouble. Uh, you know, out of state. <laughs> yeah, you can't take. <laughs> uh, any uh, events you guys looking at for the antiques? Of course, you got the two. Uh, John Deere's the 70 and the A. Of course, I know we moved around the shop here, so we do know they still run, but looking to get over to Mason or Wasion or anyone like that? Possibly. Or possibly not. <laughs> Doesn't look too good right now. <laughs> Man, he's just so optimistic right now on uh, pulling schedule. But. Yeah. He, he, I think right now he's. You're probably just happy if you get out of bed in the morning, right? Yeah, sometimes I don't want to. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so here we'll be able. To... What was that? You broke up a little bit there, Charlie. So hopefully next year we'll be able to make it out to more poles, and you know, hopefully, hopefully maybe tackle the Region Two circuit again and see what happens. Yeah, very. It's going to be a very competitive tractor out there, and you know. We've seen it stack up against some great Grand National tractors this year, and it's going to be right in the mix. And, uh, you know, just finding the time, of course, the biggest issue for a lot of people. And, of course, for uh, for you guys with the family business being so, so busy right now. But, you know, you know it's getting too busy out there when they have two IH mechanics come in and do change the fluids on the tractor for them. Oh, yeah, that was, I don't, I, you know. <laughs> I'm just happy we managed to get it back in the right way. <laughs> hey, and then the next pull went out and won. So I'm saying, you know, there might be a might be a pattern there, you know. Might be. Nah. No. Still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay. No, it just went really quiet and I didn't. Our compressor works way too well on this, so it cuts out when there's no noise. So, yeah, I guess if you can go around and compete in Michigan, you can pretty much compete anywhere. We've always said it, even with the antiques, you know, with some of the toughest competition, and you find that with the Super Farms Tour in Michigan. If you can compete here, you can compete anywhere, it seems like. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's without a doubt. I mean, whether it's on a local level with thumb tractor pullers, 
all the way up to, uh, you know, Wolverine State and Region 2. You know, some very, very tough iron. And I mean, you look at the Grand National results for Super Farm this year. Not all of them were fully based out of Michigan. Two, of course, technically, I guess, reside in Nebraska. But all of them coming out of that Salem Bean stable. You know, what, Wipeout and Joe Bush had two tractors in the top ten. but And, and, one wipeout, and Wipeout's a Region 2 builder, too. Yep, but I mean, Ryan Salem Bean really being on the top of his game with these super farms. And now see him really venture into the limited pro stock class. You know, makes uh, for some tough iron when you're competing here at home when you got some of the top Grand National tractors that can show up at any one event to come challenge you. Oh, yeah, we've even seen them at thumb poles, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Well, we've said it for years, and and it's not to take anything away from the Grand National guys, but I I would argue that a Super Farm Region 2 title is harder to win than a Grand National is. We've discussed that as far as which way to go on Grand National or uh, Region 2. And I don't know. To me, it's almost easier to run the Grand National than it is to run the Region. you got almost 20 hooks, and they're all different places and a lot of one-night hooks. Whereas uh, Grand National, you get, I think if you hit nine places, you got them all covered. You know, a lot of them are two-night hooks, and some of them may be a little further away. But I don't know. You start going from the thumb of Michigan down to the bottom of uh, Illinois or of Kentucky isn't real close either. So, yeah, that's definitely been a debatable issue, you know, on which way we go. Either one of them are easy, but, you know, Region 2 is just as tough as anything. Oh, absolutely. Been one of the toughest contested um, regions in the sport of polling. Region 2 and Region 3 have always been some of the toughest to run, but, you know, the titles are almost as prestigious as having that, you know, Grand National title to your name. You know, well, the few cla- few regions that are guaranteed a spot in the Enderly Pull-Off is Region 2 and Region 3 winners. Yeah, actually two spots for Region 2. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, compared to other regions, it's uh, quite a difference. Something I want to ask you about, we talked about it with uh, Stan and Steve earlier in the show, and, and I'm sure you guys have discussed it around the shop, with the hot farm class being adopted by NTPA this fall. What do you think? Is there is there a point where there stops being room at the table for all these different classes with minute details or <laughs> differences between them? I don't know. I, don't, I guess I, it's hard. It's a tough question to answer. I think that they're seems as though they're expanding the tractor classes because there's so many places for guys to go that there's not enough classes to cover all the, the places. I assume that if uh, there's enough places for everybody and room for everybody, I suppose the answer is yes, that there's room. But I guess by the same token, you know, as long as... Uh, I guess it's, it's kind of nice, you know, I could just imagine what the super farm schedule would be, what it would be like. You know, like we're talking about Region 2, how many poles there are. What would it be like if there was no limited or light pro stock classes? It would just probably just be, you know, totally brutal. Yeah, and I suppose that is a, a fair argument and a way to look at it. And, and really, it's the light pros and the two-wheel drive trucks ran into that in Region 2, whereas this year there's an east and west for those two classes just because there was way too many events. You know, even like in state events, I mean, I think there's there needs to be something done because, like even Wolverine, you get past the 
super farm class and you know you, then you start really tailing off as far as numbers go you get in the two-wheel drive and the mods and four-wheel drive classes you know the numbers really wane oh yeah the mods and the four-wheel drive trucks are not existing and of course it, super stock and pro stock you know they're combo classes now just because the numbers aren't there and you know this is a point we've pounded home we talked to steve and stan Blagrave about earlier is you know what do we got to do to get it up and running and get numbers up and i i know andy gerbaugh is gonna probably have a heart attack when i say this you know the 30 diesel truck class being added to wolverine i think really will help get numbers up at the event yeah but it won't fill the bread and butter classes that have been there for 30 40 years now guess what does that tell you is that tell you that those classes are time for a change or, or do they need to evolve or, or what's going on i think across yeah you're probably right you know that expands the narrative quite a bit but yeah i think you're probably right there there is an evolution going on within pulling it's going on within drag racing right now with you know especially at the pro level pro stock is effectively dead just nobody was ready to admit it yet and I think maybe polling is at that kind of a tipping point too, where you got to find a maybe a happy medium between nostalgia for what has always been, but also make that make that change, turn that corner for the new thing. Otherwise, it's just going to die. I mean, Super Farm is like supposed to be a beginner's class, right? But I mean, I know it's not Super Stock, and but. I mean, the amount of money you have to put into a super farm if you want to stay competitive every year, it just gets to be, you know, it's pretty tough to, to keep up and to keep putting the money into it. I mean, you really have to have there's some kind of backing or some kind of funds, and I'm sure those classes are the same way. I don't know if maybe some limits need to be put on so it's more affordable for a guy to get into them or, or what the answer is. But I know everybody was kind of against the super stocks being cut back a couple years ago. But, I mean, if you don't, if you only get a couple guys showing up the pole, pretty soon there's going to be no class. Yeah, we we broached that subject with them, and um, you know their their comment was, well, we couldn't see bringing our tractor back to any sort of restriction. We we would like it being where it is and, and want to continue that way. And I, but I wonder, you know, okay, we put we put a limit or restriction on it, and Super Farm is uh, an example of this. You put that one limit in place, a three-inch charger, and then everybody goes into the margins and starts working so hard. That's where the real expense comes from, even for your class, to the point where you can't you can't change your combo to step up a class. It's too specialized, and you're spending a lot of money on these little tiny details to find five ten horsepower. Um, if you put a bigger restriction on it, is it going to maybe drive it further into the margins as far as expense? Maybe what I would maybe suggest, and I don't know if I'd suggest it or not, but maybe one thing like in our class is maybe you have a box turbo. So now you have a, you know, whatever turbo, maybe, I don't know, $2,500, $3,000 turbo that you're not changing every single year. So like pretty much in Super Farm, I mean, I don't know how many years it went by where we haven't had to update a turbo, not very many. And maybe, you know, make it a box turbo class so that it just stays with that turbo instead of every time precision or hearts come out with a new tur- turbo you got to go spend five or six thousand dollars kind of the same thing with the injection pumps maybe keep them at like a 13 millimeter pump rather than you know 16 millimeters or it's just there's probably a few things that could be done that would kind of ease the pain you know 
And I think on those two points, you're probably not far off. And look at, you know, outlaw pullers, that's what they are with theirs. It's It's a box stock. You're limited on what you can do with your pump. And yeah, it doesn't jive with everybody else, but it works. And they do have decent numbers. You know, maybe that's something people are scared to look at, but, you know, on these quote-unquote entry-level classes into the NTPA world, you know, let's cut it back so they, you guys aren't spending so much money to stay competitive, you know, where maybe you can jump up to even 4.1, you know, would be a nice jump up and something very reasonable for you guys to do, and, you know, not too far off from pro stock levels, just a lot more money and bigger parts, but if you're not spending, you know, five, six grand a year on a turbo to keep competitive and how much on an injection pump so that way you got the latest and greatest, you know, you might have that little bit extra where you can start looking at, yeah, maybe we can jump into a bigger class. Yeah, we have the parts to do it, right? Everything but the turbo now. But anyways, um, in Michigan, there's really no, you know, we've talked and thought, we always think out loud, I guess, about what other classes, but really in Michigan, there's really no no option that makes any sense besides having a super farm. Yeah, there's a so lot. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's because we're on a peninsula or what, but all that stuff seemed to pass us right by. Yeah, yeah, it did. This is <laughs> certainly the home for Super Farm. There's a lot of tractors and a lot of events, and so it, it makes sense to stay within that class. Yeah, Going- four, four one would be fun to try, or you know, the light or limited pro stock would be fun to try, but that's hard to hard to change when you can probably go. I don't know, probably fifty percent of the summer. Half the nights in a week, you could go to a super farm pole somewhere in Michigan, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, logistically, it just makes perfect sense to stay there. Something I, yeah. I want to go back to something on the tires real quick. Um, with the evolution in tire design, it seems like as, as the power levels continue to increase, and, and I want to get your, your perspective on this um, from the super farm side, it seems like super farms are carrying the front end more so now than we've ever seen in, in years past because the traction's better and the horsepower levels are getting higher. Are we getting to a point where there's concerns over chassis strength and being able to have enough nose weight and, and not breaking things? We've seen some super farms and hot farms get folded up pretty bad the last year or two. What, what are you guys seeing and feeling from the driver's seat? I was just going to say that, you know, there's been some pretty bad. I was just watching that one in Toma again, like a couple of days ago, came up. Yeah, and then I see Linville's, they've been third chassis here. Yeah, they're another one, yep. A week or two ago. But um, I'm not worried about that with ours. Ours is built like a tank, you know. But, um, yeah, that's definitely, I can definitely see that being an issue. It's already kind of reared its head. So I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't know what the answer would be. I mean, you got tie bars in the back. This seems to be more of the front end type of issues with things folding under. Yeah, it seems like it, it seems like there's a they, they've created with the chassis design with the rigid front axles everybody's using, uh, where running 1,200 pounds or more nose weight when it slams down really hard, that last uh, up up bar into the frame, that's where it becomes a, a stress riser point and they fold up there. Um, I don't know if we're going to see some changes in 
uh, chassis rules where that has to be stronger at that point? Or do we see a point coming where we wind up with what Bill Voris proposed a handful of years ago with a spec tire? I, just, I think you see a couple more of those. There's definitely going to be some thinking about that stuff for sure. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I, I'm I'm never in favor of fatter rule books. It's just not not the way I work. But you know, when it comes to a safety thing, I also don't want anybody really getting hurt either. You know, a lot of you guys are personal friends, and that's the last thing I want to see. Right, right, exactly. I don't know if the uh, you know the damping front ends would help. Or, you know, you think with the skis, that would have helped some of that stuff as well. But it's uh, definitely seemed to happen a couple more times this year. Definitely a sad, sad sight. Yeah. I, you know, that's a, that's interesting because with the ski part, I think the air rides or whether it's air ride or coilover doesn't matter to me. I think that does help. But the guys have gotten to the point where they've made the front They've reinforced the front axle so much and made the spindles so strong that in the past where they would have just kind of bent or folded a little bit and gotten to the skis, it doesn't happen anymore. The the things stay on there, and then the frame winds up breaking. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I don't know what's the answer. You need tie bars in the front as well or something in the front that's, I don't know. Like ours is a wedge chassis, so ours is, you know, continuous all the way to the front. I know it's like a lot of the John Deere's are added on to that front piece, you know, with almost like another piece of John Deere frame. I don't know if that's where they're having trouble or, or what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. And it, and I guess I never noticed it before, but um, all the ones I've seen fold up in the last two years have been Deere's. I, I, yeah. But I don't know why that would matter. Yeah, I mean, we've seen them before. It's, you know, it's almost like... A, yeah, it's hard to describe, but it's almost like the stock frame, but they extend it. With, but uh, internationals have been built that way for since forever. Yeah. Yeah, similar style channel frame, you know, right from the factory. But then again, also with the IHs, you see the weight brackets and all that. It's normally an add-on. You yeah. know, it's actually bolted off a structural member. Where that's your failure point. If you're going to break it, you're going to shear bolts. Yeah, and, and you're, I, always, you're always uh, battling the weight, you know, the weight safety issue too, right? To see their weight, or you know, everybody's trying to trim weight all the time, and next thing you know, something's breaking in half. That's it. You can get too thin, or like Charles said earlier, you know, is you we've reinforced stuff so much, and people don't give the thought to. You have to have a point of give on anything, you know, whether yeah. it's a sheer pin on a flywheel or something, you know. There's always got to be a built-in structural point of failure. And like for many years, wasn't uncommon to see a front at, front tire go flying on just, a bad bounce. And you don't it anymore. It don't happen anymore. I mean, look at the front axle under my light limited super stock. If I break a spindle clean off, it's going to have to break because it's a kingpin style front end versus a regular tractor style front end. You know, there's a lot more strength there, a lot more durability but now you're tr- forcing that concussive wave through the entire frame where it might have just stopped when that tire came off. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it brings you back to maybe the dampening front ends, right? Yeah. You know, even something, you know, as simple as what we see under the Lee Butts tractor where it's still got the center pivot, which a lot of guys have gone to the rigid front ends, don't even have a pivoting front end, 
which is going to cause you know the issue that much that much worse. I mean, saw deer even on their narrow fronts go to the rollomatic to help dampen blows. You know, there's a thought process put in there on absorbing shock. Now it's something we need to look into. A lot of guys don't like these independent front suspensions because, of, well, you draw bar height changes, whatever. Yeah, now you're getting almost to a borderline safety issue when you're seeing these tractors fold up under themselves, run over. It's a matter of time before something does not go right, and uh, we end up with a worse situation than what we're in. Yeah, exactly. One thing they've always seemed to stay ahead of is the safety issue for all the pulls that go on and everything that's happening. There's very little. I mean, everybody sees these you know, these few things that happen, but I mean, you count all the hooks that are going on across the country, even from the, you know, from the smallest brush pull all the way on up to, you know, the NTPA Grand National. I mean, you can count on probably one hand as many incidents that happen in a year. Absolutely. I mean, the sport has gotten to be where incidences of injury are almost non-existent. What we're seeing now if there is an injury, is similar to what the NFL deals with with their own players. Concussions off of roll cages from hitting the helmet too hard. It's not guys getting burnt or flying off tractors. Now it's, you know, a different type of injury, but it's not what, you know, major incidences occurs. 98% of the time you see somebody get out of the cage, walk away unscathed, just feeling a little rough the following morning or probably having to change your underwear. I mean, probably gotten to be one of the most safest motorsports out there. Yeah, how long have roll cages been? 20 years, maybe? I mean... We're I mean, go- coming up on 20 about- years. Year 2000 was the... 99 or 2000 was the... 99 was 99 the 99 was a changeover, so we're within two years of... 20 years of cages. Would you even think about jumping on a pulling tractor now without a roll cage? I mean, even <sighs> something like ours. You know, I mean, <laughs> well, we're scary. we're getting the you know with when we getting the legends tractor together. That's probably going to be the single biggest mental thing to get over is is sitting up sitting on that thing without the cage around. You. Point blank, having to grow a pair of balls back that pullers have had for years. You know that <laughs> not having that tractor. safety. Would you run a Would you run a mini tractor with a roll cage? A mini rod? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, uh, I, right now, no. And that was probably the first class you really saw, you know, some sort of roll bar being implemented was the mini. It's the worst accidents I've ever seen in pulling are mini rods getting cocked sideways. And sorry, it's a lightweight sled they're pulling. It's not much to go up over. (laughs) You see them come out hooked and go in for end. Can you imagine not having a roll cage, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, you wouldn't see guys walking away. If you're lucky, they're being taken away just on a stretcher, not with a sheet over them. Yeah, exactly. I think twenty years ago, you'd look at a pulling tractor and with a roll cage, you'd say, "What? What is that?" You know. Now, I mean, one without one is, you know, even the stocker ones. That's I'm looking around in here right now. I mean, other than the picture of Dave Stangle, I know I've got a picture out in the garage of uh, Silver Bullet uh, pre cage era, right after they bought it off of uh, the Connor brothers and it's no cage in it. You look at it. I got a picture of slow ride the same way. And I remember when cages came out, it was what the hell is this? It looks goofy. That's not a tractor anymore. Now you look at it and go, 
what the hell are we thinking? Yeah. You know, you watch the video of, you know, it came up across my Facebook again of the Walsh Brothers Irish Challenger triple engine, you know, triple turbine mod and the ride that they took due to a box failure. And you never did, I've never seen a video of the end because back then, you know, it was pre- you know, I don't think there is. It's never it's surfaced, never so I don't surfaced, think it exists. But, you know, it's a pre-cell phone era and all, you know, all that, you know. Luckily, they had a cage on it, you know, a two-bar cage. It wasn't even what would meet NTPA specs now, but, you know. It's better than nothing. A lot better than nothing. Yeah, how scary would that be? Just, <laughs> I don't know. I think that is the next frontier, though, really, in terms of safety, is looking at some sort of requirement for lateral head support in the roll cage. And actually, I talked to uh, Wilbur Hainis about this. I think at Bowling Green, I bumped into him and, and asked him about uh, the the Hans device and you know using that versus just a whiplash collar. And he, he raised a point that I hadn't considered before, and he's 100% correct. That really was designed primarily for fore and aft for auto racing, and what we really need is something that's designed for the side to side because that's where people are getting their their bell rung. Yeah, I never even thought about that. You know, it was funny as we went cart to cart here, what Sunday? Yeah. After we got down to the Poland Blissfield, what did one of our group have? He yeah. had a head a Hans style device. Yeah, the motocross version of it. Yeah, he yeah. had the motocross version. You know, which is maybe something to look at because that does give you a little more mm-hmm. support, but. You know, it was something to see. Um, nobody joked at him or anything, and point blank, after riding around on that, I can't blame him for not, you know, for having that on. No. Yeah, so you definitely got to be safety conscious. I mean, any one of us would jump jump in any tractor and drive it and not even think twice about it, right? But, I mean, you really got to be so safety conscious, you know. It's all done dumb stuff, but, you know, it's hard to believe things that can happen so fast i mean i'm sure you guys have had your own wild rides on you know and even your tractor and you know i know it's nothing that i've heard of being noteworthy but you know even just a couple bad bounces makes you think twice oh yeah 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 you miss the weight and you know you wind up in the wheelie bars and all takes a little bumpy tracker to miss the weight a little bit and really go for a ride so well, we've taken up enough of your time for tonight, Charlie. I know you gotta probably hopefully go to bed sometime soon. I doubt that's gonna happen because well too much with work and uh thank you for coming on with us tonight and uh letting me get out early enough so I could make it up here to do the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's good talking to you guys. And we'll have you on again soon. We gotta get you in studio so we can come join us and uh have some refreshments and sit in one of these beautifully painted IH chairs we have. <laughs> to bring your own chair is that the idea <laughs> well you don't want to defecate on it or fart into it a whole bunch <laughs> isn't there uh wasn't there a john deere tractor that had uh an ih symbol on the floorboard so you could put his feet on it i i don't know I if don't there know. has or not if i haven't seen that i'm not gonna lie i'd laugh my ass off if i saw that i'm pretty sure you guys gotta do some research yeah i got an, i got another homework piece that i'm after our conversation about um Tractor frames folding up on why the John Deere's have and the internationals have not. I got something I want to look it's into. Better initial engineering from the factory. <laughs> Did well, it seem like there used to be a lot more brand loyalty than there is now? Or 
Yeah, there used to be, and I think the the days of going to basically we'll call them funny tractors instead of funny cars, where it's any engine under it's any component, sheet metal. and it's a component it's, bull crap. We've and lost that. Don't eat. You really want to get me fired up today, don't you, Charlie? I, I don't. I hate it. I think it's terrible. I do. I do too. I agree with you. I mean, what's the point of having a uh, John Deere with a molding hood on it? You know. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> We haven't. The second half of this oh, season of sidetrack has not had a rant, and I think you're about oh, to trigger one. I can't today. I can't today. But <laughs> save it. For I'm next trying week. to show restraint out of uh, a certain uh, friend of the show's words of wisdom. So and requests. So and requests. So I'm not required of that. So you'll you'll hear about that one in the morning. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Charlie, thanks for coming on, and uh, hopefully we get to get you back on the show again soon. Sounds good. Have a good night, boys. Yep, yep. night. Okay. We're going to take a short break here and uh, come back and probably wrap things up. This is Sidetracked on the Pulling Radio Network. Polar Air Compressor since 1977 is your factory direct source for quiet industrial piston compressors from 3 to 25 horsepower, rotary screw compressors from 5 to 400 horsepower, refrigerated air dryers, and a full line of parts and service. Find Polar Air at EatonCompressor.com or call toll-free at 877-283-7614. That's 877-283-7614. Also, make sure to check us out on Facebook. And we're back with Sidetracked, powered by DHD, here on Pulling Radio Network. Some great interviews tonight. Yeah, thanks to Blager Brothers and Charlie Capozo for coming on and joining us tonight. I gotta, we got to figure out a way to get Tony on here. Yes, we do. Burkhart and Capozo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At the same time. see which one of them can confuse the hell out of the other more (laughs) oh got a lot of people want to get on this winter now we're getting into the time you know of course harvest is going so we're gonna have to deal with that for a little bit but a lot of good interviews can be stacked up for this winter as uh the pulling radio network and sidetrack name keeps growing you know we got a lot of pins on the map and uh, it keeps expanding. Uh, I know we're going to have one down in Mississippi coming up here uh, shortly right. as Tunica comes up. Which we got to figure out whether we're going to stay in a hotel or camp out. We'll oh, figure that out. Oh, that's easy enough to decide later. Yep. Well, we got to make reservations soon. We're like five weeks away. That is closing in fast, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to have time to get PRI set up. But if we don't make it, we don't make it. I'm not too concerned about it. I know you yeah, want to go, but... I do, but... I'm going to be traveled yeah. out by then. I've got enough miles under my belt. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Might just have to just go down sometime to go see John and Devin Jury just because they're great people, so... Yeah, good friends, and I might need to go down and pester them anyway. Once again, thanks to Ed Schubridge with Send Peak Oil and ENS Motorsports. Of course, Wayne Lalone up there, Diesel Freak, your... Uh, Semi truck and tractor tuning specialist. That's, that's right. That's a weird thing to say. I'm not gonna lie, but Wade and the whole crew up crew up there. Just Ryan, all just great people to deal with. 
and uh, always a great time to see them and uh, get to hang out with them. But thank them for coming on board again with us and uh, help sponsoring this lunacy we call Sidetracked. And of course, Mr. Tony Burkhardt, all the way up at Harbor Beach there. Uh, can't say enough good about the guy, you know, supporting us and what we do. And uh, hopefully, play the cards right, we can get him on the show next week and uh, talk about DHD. Yep, some of his fine quality products that uh, he makes, particularly for Chevrolet Duramax, is on the pulling side of the equation. Uh, we had an entire pallet of uh, DHD stuff coming in the shop uh, yesterday or day before to get installed on a truck and uh, every every bit of it is the quality that you have come to know and expect out of dirty hooker diesel absolutely and great great crew up there you have any questions involving your duramax just give them a call up there they'll get you set up with what you need at a price you can afford and like charles said the quality you come to expect so great guys great girls up there just great crew can't say enough about them and of course our little buddy at the polls himself, Seth Burkhardt. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, you know what? Good kid. He's an enthusiast. He gets his hands dirty, messing with stuff, learning all along, and has his own little you know, spot in the, in the shop out back there up at DHT carved out and where he can do his little mad scientist experiments. But you know what? He's learning stuff, and uh, it's cool. Both Tony's boys are just great, great kids. I don't, don't get to see Tyler nearly as much as no. Seth, but Seth always – Comes up, gives me a hug, and says, "Ask how I'm doing." And always good to get a smile out of people, and you got yeah. you got to appreciate that. And just some great people up there with that Burkhard last name. So, thank you again for all our sponsors out there. Always looking for more. You want to get on and uh, help support what we're doing here. Of course, this isn't free. Of course, we got a lot of money out in this. But you know, if you guys want to get on, get your name out there. Just get a hold of us, Facebook. You know, right at the sidetracked page or messages privately. Um, cell phone numbers are out there. There's many ways of getting a hold of us. Or if you want to support the whole Pulling Nate Radio Network crew, you know, we cover a lot of events. We got a lot of coverage covering this great country that we live in. So uh, get a hold of us. Always looking for sponsors as we get rolling into, believe it or not, 2018 coming up here quickly. So with that, my name's Armstead. My name is Kane. Good night.